welcome to the King's Crowd Startup Investing Podcast. I'm Sean O'Reilly, and joining me today is Sam Bogosh, co-founder and CEO of Axel AI, a software that combines the power of AI and machine learning to remotely search and manage your video content. Axel AI boasts over 700 customers worldwide, including Paramount, CBS, NBC, the New York Yankees, and PricewaterhouseCoopers. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Uh, so uh, what's it like working with the Yankees? <laughs> well, it's, it's actually been a blast. Um, they have a group inside the Yankees that is responsible for doing hype videos. I, I mean, most people, I, I didn't Gotta get that. excited. It's, it's, not for the, it's not for the audience. It's for the players. What? So it, think of it as like scouting meets, we're going to pump you up. Yeah. Right? So, so their job is to basically produce these videos for the team that's like, okay, here's who, who, here are the next two series you're going into. Here are their strengths and weaknesses. Here's how they did against our pitching last time. And then it's like, go, go, go. And they got highlight footage in there. And they got, and they basically their job is just to get everyone really jazzed to win that next series. And this is actually a thing. Like it's an entire video team within the Yankees that does this. And they use our software to pull together all those highlights, to pull together like quotes from interviews and wow. to turn it into something kind of actionable yeah. for the players. Very, very cool. So um, you've got a crowdfunding round on Republic right now. Um, I just checked, it's going pretty well. Um, yeah, really well, yeah. Got, like I said in the intro, over 700 customers, a lot of big names, that's all very cool. And uh, you did it all with a distributed workforce remotely and that is what I really want to talk to you about today because it nobody planned to enter the world that we entered into last spring. Right. Um, yep. I, uh, not to talk about myself, but the last time I ate out at dinner until pretty recently was my birthday last March. And we wow. had the restaurant to ourselves, like in DC. Wow. And I was like, uh, to my wife, Angelica, I was like, honey, thank you for renting out the restaurant for me and all this stuff. But like, a little bit of dark humor there, but right. you know, what were you going to do? So um, take a step back. When did you first found your company? And then was it meant to be fully distributed? How did all this occur? Very good question. We, we actually started the company in 2012, but then pivoted to take in the AI component in 2018. So for the first six years, it was kind of a boutique, not quite a consulting company, but we, we knew where our customers were. We were based in Boston and- Where we were founded. Go Boston. Where we were founded, yep. Yeah. And, uh, and so we, we kind of knew what we were doing, but we also knew that we couldn't grow that fast. And then when we saw that AI was gonna have a really significant impact on video and started developing our own capabilities in that area, we're like, okay, this is a growth story. And that's when we started raising outside capital and, and really hitting the accelerator pedal. It turns out that to staff a company like this with you know, fellow Bostonians or Silicon Valley people, is you can't do it cost effectively because you're competing with the Amazons and Googles who are recruiting those same people. All so, in Boston or in any other you know, tech company. Or Silicon Valley, exactly. So we, so we said, let's start looking for our, our folks in, in more disparate locations. And, and lower cost markets where their cost of living isn't so high. So and when you so were a we consulting firm, sorry, uh, yeah, when you were a consulting ahead. firm, did you just have bo local Boston people? It was mostly Boston people, yeah. We, yeah. we had one guy on the West Coast and so forth, but primarily Boston area. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. And then you're like, man, we need tech talent to do X, Y, and Z. And then, so you must've had this realization one day that like, I need this guy in the Ukraine or I need this guy in Silicon Valley and I'm just yep. going to pay him 1099 and call it a day or something like what? exactly. No. So, so, and, and I should say we have, we've always had one founder who is actually out in Silicon Valley, one of our tech guys. But, but we knew we had, I mean, this was when we were like a five-person company. Today, we're a 25-person company. And the only cost-effective way to ramp that without tons of venture capital money was to bootstrap, to really watch our costs, and to recruit folks that were affordable but really smart. So we have a core development team in Latvia, and that's gone super well for us. We've built that over time. And then we've also been able to recruit really talented people in places like Buenos Aires, Argentina, and oh Lagos, gosh. Nigeria. I mean, Oof. literally all over the place. How are you finding these people? That's what we, I want to know. Like, well, there there are job boards. I've heard this more and more. You realize, like, this yeah, is, of course. You know, I mean, and, and the thing is, so COVID has taken what we did before, which was kind of like a fringe thing to do, and now it's like, why doesn't everyone do this? I mean, if you hire someone fifty miles away. You know, they're not going to want to meet with you in person and sit in an office. So who cares if they're 500 or 5,000 miles away? It's, it's equivalent. Right. And then you can really look for the best people and, and the most affordable costs to get the, the business up and running. And that gives you a huge competitive advantage over companies that are still paying for big offices, even though they're empty most of the time, and paying for, you know, only high cost uh, work. Right. So um, as a early stage startup investor, I'm worried about, I mean, I'm worried about a lot of stuff because, you know, we all know that, uh, let's say the majority of startups don't make it to what, you know, this, this is partially a numbers game. Um, and at this point, I'm investing in the founder, I'm investing in the idea, I'm investing in the technology. And your company is a great example because you've got a Rolodex of awesome customers. The reason they came to you was because of technology, your algorithm. Do you have a catchy name for your algorithm? I don't know. But well, it's, um, not, it's not really one algorithm. It's actually a platform. And then we oh, can, plug, okay. in, we can yeah, plug in yeah. new algorithms as they become available. So, but as an investor, I want to protect, you want to make sure that that stuff's protected. Like there's patents, there's all this stuff or whatever. Do you ever, have you ever had to talk to an investor or just how do you quell the worry that, oh, if they're hiring somebody in Argentina, the tech could be stolen or just any kind of thing. Because if you have a bunch of people in an office in Boston, for example, I have to assume that psychologically that's easier to control. Do you, is that ever been a problem for you at all? Well, it's interesting. I used to live out in Silicon Valley and I did startup stuff out there for 10 years. And oddly enough, I never felt as insecure about my employees as I did then because they're constantly you get being on the street. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's got like 20 recruiters swarming all over them oh my because God. it's Silicon Valley, right? That's right. what people do. It's like the average job duration out there is 18 months. That's the that average. seems long. Right, right. right. And I mean, it's probably it come down long. Eight, eight, so, 18 so, days now, Sam. Exactly. So, so it's like, how do, you, how do you create a stable work environment? What we've been able to do is build a team that over time has been very stable and very solid. Uh, again, because these aren't high turnover markets, they're, you know, we're paying them very well by local standards. Also, they're incredibly psyched not to get dragged into an office. This was a big thing even before right. COVID. But right. like, there's still companies out there in parts of the world where like, 
they expect people to show up at 9 a.m. during COVID. Oh my gosh. And, and so yeah. working from home has become a luxury, but like really a luxury that everyone wants. So, so we have a lot of advantages. In terms of the IP, obviously we have everyone sign confidentiality agreements, and, yeah, contractor yeah. and employee agreements, et cetera, as needed. Um, it's also true that in the case of our company, there isn't like one special sauce. Like, you know, uh, we're not like Coca-Cola with the vault. Or right. it's, it's not like we have some hive of patents that we jealously guard. Really a lot of what we do and our competitive advantage is derived from customer focus, quick innovation, and, and essentially grabbing market share based on what our customers need. And so, you know, if, if one person leaves, it, it's not the end of the world. We also use things like GitHub, which is a distributed source repository. Again, this is just common best practices, For but sure. essentially everybody checks in their code to GitHub. So if, if they were to leave the company and try and take something, I mean, sure, they could take their piece of it or so on, but it, it's not, you know, we have 10 developers now and each of those 10 sees, you know, anywhere from a 10th to a fifth of what the overall problem Yeah. So you've worked in Silicon Valley, as you said. How have you and your, your team replicated the, um, I don't know, just like the cultural feel of the magic of what happens with working in person? It's hard. And I can't, I can't claim that we have. I think our pace is probably today, you know, 70% of what it would be if we were all in the same yeah. place. It's, it's like, just, I hate would, to talk up the value of water cooler talk, but you know, like sometimes it's just a couple of people talking with a marker board, then you get a crazy idea. And absolutely. No, this is a legitimate still, question, even in, in our own company and with me and my team, I'm like, what are we going to do? You know? Yeah. And, and so there are tools for that. Actually, there's some very interesting online meeting tools that are trying to reproduce what the in-person experience the, is. The magic. So we've been, yeah, but they don't, but, but they, you know, slowly but surely we're getting there. <clears throat> and I think that the real opportunity is to be realistic and to say, you're never going to get a hundred percent of that, but what can we accomplish? Right. For sure. Um, what did, so you guys were already hiring. What are some tools that you used in the job boards to find somebody that you needed a pinch? Because the people who listen to this podcast are either early stage investors that are going to want to know if a company's doing best practices or they're founder themselves. And I don't know, we're all figuring this out as we go along. Do you have any, I don't know, juice to share? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I would say that things like, uh, you know, typical major boards like Indeed and even Craigslist, by the way, You're but also me. I no, found my first apartment on Craigslist. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's still out there and you still find interesting people. And then also there are local job boards in each country that right. are worth a look. And yeah. you must be doing this all the time. Like you never <laughs> stop posting. Yeah. It's pretty true. It's like, what comes next? Which country? What, what needs do we have? That's awesome. Um, yeah. Very, very cool. Are you doing any... Um, uh, so obviously, you know, you're better, you've done the Silicon Valley thing. And, um, you know, it used to be you'd meet somebody in person, they'd maybe have a couple hours worth of interviews. You might make them an offer after that. Now I'm hearing these stories in like, you know, in the software industry and in DC here in particular, it's like seven rounds of interviews on Zoom. There's homework assignments. 
Yeah. How, how are you torturing your employee? I'm kidding. No, no, no. Well, it's a very good <laughs> what question. What are you doing I, to balance, you know? Yeah. But one thing, one thing to bear in mind is hiring coders is very different from hiring any sure. other type of employee. Yeah. It is a black box experience. You can, all these people that are creating these huge interview gauntlets are missing the point because at the end of the day, you will never know until that person comes in physically or mentally and write some code for you. And so I give them write code, that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it. it yeah. Because, like, what are you, you're going to judge them on their personality? They're coders. Like, right. a lot of I them don't are care if they have a personality. No, I'm kidding. Well, they're hermits. A lot of them are like, you know, on the spectrum. They don't want to deal. It's it, so. But they're geniuses of coding and that's what you need. So exactly. Yeah. So, but, but, you, but some of them just act like they're geniuses and are actually terrible at it. And you only find out. <laughs> so, so we typically have a 30 to 90 day trial period okay. because there just is no other good way. And, and, and putting people through a ridiculous set of interviews is only fooling yourself and them because, because you really don't know whether it's for real until you know. And obviously there's other jobs that are also a little bit like that, like sales, where it's like a lot of sales people talk a good show, but what you want to do is, is put them into the arena, see, see if happens. they start showing like they can sell something. They don't even have to close a sale in the first month or two, but they have to give you the right trends and indications, have the right attitude. You know, you can test them out in front of customers and have some joint calls. So. Again, the two hardest ones that I've experienced are coders and salespeople. Yeah. And then for everything else, like marketing and customer service and so on, that's more linear. And that's, I think interviews are, are much more fruitful there. For sure. Okay. Um, that's a lot of good stuff, by the way. Like, sure. yeah, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm hiring right now too. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to just have them write something and it'll be fine. Um, that's really good. So taking a step back, do you think, so this is like a macro question at this point is, you know, you hear all these rumors of like COVID accelerated, how business is done with technology and just all this online stuff by five or 10 years. Like eventually this would have happened, but this, I mean, really gave a shot in the arm and zoom stocks at 400 or whatever actually it was down today. I saw, um, recording by the way, on, uh, August 31st, if anybody wants to date the podcast, um, is this just the beginning and even where companies prefer to have you in person? Like you hear these stories about like Goldman Sachs, like they're like, no, get back to the office now kind of a thing. Yep. Are we just in the first inning of this distributed workforce thing and I can just go buy a house in Montana and enjoy my mountain views or what? Like what's the- it's, you know, it's, it's too hard to say for sure. Obviously there's going to be some new equilibrium, but if you would ask people six months ago, when the vaccines were just kicking in and there was optimism that we were past it, then everyone would have said, yeah, we're all basically going back to work. And now it's like, ooh, this feels more like a steady state. It could take, take years to unpack what's going on. Um, you know, I not only have our experience as a company, but also our customers' experiences. Uh, actually, you know, by sheer chance, that editor that I mentioned, the lead guy on the Yankees project, yeah. he lives in LA. Boom, there you go. Which I'm not surprised by because that's where you would expect a ton of video editors to be. But that's right, nevertheless, that's right. yep. And, you and you know, there's, a, there's a great yeah. talent pool in New York too. For but sure. I, I guess my point is like uh, almost every media organization and we sell largely to media teams um, is, is confronting the same thing. They were already seeing the growth of freelancing. 
They were already seeing a distributed, an increasingly distributed workforce. People didn't want to sit in a cubicle when they could edit from home. So this trend was already probably 30% of the way there. And then COVID just cranked it all, all the way up to 80 or 90. Um, are people going back to work? Absolutely. But um, I would say, especially in these creative environments where you're talking about creative talent mm -hmm. and they want to work where they want to work, uh, I think the percentage of them that will end up in a, in a traditional full-time desk role is certainly less than 50% and maybe less than 30%. Man, so what are your, um, I mean, you've got a, quite a customer list here. I just named a few of them. Um, you know, PricewaterhouseCoopers, for example, which I'd love to know what their video team does. But um, what, is that what they're telling you? Like, what are your customers saying? Like, yeah, you're going to have to do a Zoom call with this guy instead of doing a, a conference call with all of us or whatever. Like, is this, are the vast majority of your customers having to build remote workforces now? Absolutely. And even the ones that are, I mean, you still have an in-presence. Like, for instance, we were just on a call with Madison Square Garden earlier today. And they said, hey, which is a you venue in New York that yes. has games and concerts. Like that's it. Of course. I mean, and so they, if anybody is, is dependent on people showing up in person, it's them. Um, and they said, hey, could, you know, could you come in for a, a meeting? They actually want me to meet in person. This is like the first customer that has asked me to have an when in person was this? meeting. It was like last week, earlier today. Earlier today. Wow. And, 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 and you know, and it's because they have a new guy who came on board. He actually came over from NBC very sharp guy, and he's trying to get kind of a handle on, on some of their uh, systems issues. It's like, hey, could you come in and, and, and meet? And it's like, oh my God, I can't tell you how long it's been since somebody has said that to me. So, uh, and for instance, in our industry, the big trade show is, is called NAB, National okay. Association of Broadcasters. It's not just for broadcasters, it's for There's sports There's always ancillary stuff, yeah. And, well, no, really, like sports teams, religious organizations, uh, you know, uh, corporates, all the, you know, governments, anybody who uses video goes to NAB. The attendance used to be a hundred thousand people a oh, year. Like, is this in Vegas or? It's in Vegas, yeah. yeah. And uh, it'll be very interesting because they had to postpone it this year. It's coming up in about a month. And a lot of people are saying it's going to be 10 or 15,000 people. Um, that is an 80% drop, man. Easily. And, and, you know, maybe they're wrong and maybe it'll be 30 or 40%, but I guess the point is that a lot of people have just realized I do not need to do all this stuff. I do not need to pack into the Starbucks at the LA convention center, you know, for 30 minutes waiting for my, for my latte when I could just basically be on the web and talk to my vendors remotely and use some of the platforms that are there. And certainly our software has benefited from this because it all runs in a browser historically, people who did this kind of work would actually hand each other hard drives. Like I keep one of these as, uh, you know, by my right. desk as a prop. Oh, man. This, is, this is how they would communicate. There would be like, here's the footage, you know, just- it, Here's it a actually, terabyte of video, like, yeah. Right, it all goes back to the days of the VCRs, you know, and they would be yeah. like, here's the videotape. Yeah. So that, that became, here's the hard drive. And it's pretty much been that way until a few years ago. So for them to be able to break that, that model and start actually logging in from home, working remotely. It's been a huge shift. And, and in, in the course of doing that, they've realized, why do I need to go to NAB? I mean, it's right. crazy. Like I'm not going into the office to do my work. Why do I need to go to a big sweaty crowded trade show to, to learn about the latest technology? So I, I'm not, I, I don't want to 
down, I don't downplay what NAB will be in the future, but there's no doubt that it's going to be a fraction right. of, of what it was in its heyday. So um, this next question, um, so this is like entrepreneur to entrepreneur in a way. Is it possible that this brave new world we've just entered is more profitable for businesses? Because like you're talking about a lot of costs just going down and, but then like, do we pass those costs on to our customers? Like what, this, this isn't like you the head of um, Axel AI, but it's like, just as an entrepreneur, do returns on capital go up? Like what, what does this do to our society? It's an interesting question. Uh, I think efficiency goes up. And I think um, the US in particular is very well poised to benefit from this because we do have a skilled workforce and we are able to communicate effectively um, you know, from wherever we are. It's harder in some other uh, in environments. Also, our economy is not that heavily dependent on manufacturing. And people True. have been yeah. bummed about that for years. But moving, you know, if you're a service economy, you can be very nimble on this. Um, so I, I think we, we have some structural advantages. And I think that some of these efficiencies are really going to bear fruit in the next couple of years. But again, it will come back to some kind of equilibrium where, you know, there will be costs for offices, there will be commuters, there will be traffic jams, there already are some places. Uh, here in the Boston area, it's already getting pretty- Has traffic gone down? It, it went down, but it's it's coming it back, back up. up. So, I kind so, yeah. of noticed, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. no, go ahead. Um, here in DC, so when I, I moved to DC in 2013 and the traffic here was, I mean, it wasn't as bad as LA, but it might as well have been to me. Like it was, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's come back. And I'm just like, no, it, no, I, I'm sure it hasn't there. Again, Boston's just fluky, but um, right. I, but it is steadily going to grow, no doubt. And and uh, anyway, I think the economy will benefit, and I think individual people will benefit. If you the think about of it, life goes up for sure. Exactly. I mean, we were all wasting an hour each way. Or that's why I way. hated. Yeah. <laughs> And, and also, it's not just that. We, we as a company used to have to visit our customers a lot. Again, that, that, that MSG call is, is the first in-person visit that I've even oh, so been you're going. asked to do. Well, I think I'll go, sure. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I have other people to visit in New York. We have a lot of customers there. But, um, but I used to be like the human cannonball flying back and forth between New York and LA. Oh, man. You know, if, if this is Tuesday, this must be the Bay Area kind of thing. And I am really delighted uh, to have that off my plate and to be able to do calls like this one. It just frees up more time for better uses of time, I would say. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Um, so before we um, uh, end the podcast here, Sam, I did want to um, give the opportunity to just tell the listeners a little bit more about your company, what your vision is for the future and uh, the value you bring to your customers. Great, thanks. Um, so our vision of the future is, if, if you look at it, we are at the intersection of three very high growth areas, uh, which are video, AI, and remote work. And each of those is double digit billions in size, <clears throat> and each one is growing at double digits per year. So we're at kind of the white hot overlap of those three things. And we think that is gonna grow extremely fast over the next five to 10 years. And we would like to be the company that essentially 
drives a lot of the solutions in that space, helping people solve this problem of being at, at a distance from each other, having very large video files, and needing to search and manage those files. That's our vision, and we think it's going to be a, a huge, huge opportunity. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you, Sam. This is an awesome conversation. Um, and again, your race is live on Republic right now, I believe. Yes, it's republic.co slash axle, A-X-L-E dash A-I. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you for calling in. Um, I actually hope to uh, uh, have you on the show again next time. We can talk about uh, more about distributed workforces and everything. But uh, congratulations on all of your success and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you.